Today's guest on Openly Spoken is Lucy Newport. She is the binge-free and worthy coach, and she helps highly sensitive and empathic women connect to their innate worth. She helps them free themselves from binge eating, and she helps them feel more at home in their bodies. Lucy does this work because for many years, she too lived with low sense of self-worth and body image. She soothed uncomfortable emotions with food. She dieted, over-exercised, tried to be, quote, good, and ultimately she had a binge eating disorder for 14 years. And Lucy was so gracious to sit down and share that story with us today on the podcast. It's such a beautiful conversation. It's so open and raw and vulnerable. It also is a good example of how hindsight is so much clearer than when you're in the moment, because as Lucy is sharing the story and sharing the actions she was taking, she had no idea that what she was doing was binge eating or that she was restricting. And many times, like, we don't, we don't know the thing. We don't know what we're in when we're in the thick of it. We don't know until we look back. So in this episode, we are going to be, you're going to be hearing Lucy's story. We're going to be talking about how to end binge eating. There will be some helpful tips for you. It also is very helpful to just first and foremost, hear somebody's story. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, there will be links in the caption or show notes to find Lucy. Her handle is at bingefreeandworthy on Instagram. Yeah, I hope that you enjoy this episode. And before I play the podcast intro, I'll play you a little preview clip of what's to come in this episode. Dieting and trying to change the shape of our bodies in, you know, whatever way it is, it's so normal. Yeah. Like you go to work or go to school or you go and hang out with your family and it's a conversation that people have all the time. Oh, I'm doing this diet or, oh, this is coming up and I'm trying to lose weight for this. Oh, did you see... Debbie has been on this diet and how much weight she's lost and it's something that is spoken about a lot and that is strived towards a lot and I imagine that everyone having these conversations is also having this inward battle Mm. and these struggles but we're not talking about it. Welcome to Openly Spoken, the podcast to help you show up, speak out, and be seen. My name is Celia Antonio. I am your host, and I am also your guide to dropping you into your body for unwavering confidence, authentic self-expression, and effortless creativity. And this podcast is a mix of solo and guest conversations all about self-love, relationships, sexuality, spirituality, womanhood, divine feminine energy, and more. My wish for these conversations is that they help you step into loving and accepting all parts of you, that these conversations help you in building a life that you're absolutely in love with, and that these conversations help you express your deepest truth. You can always connect with me over on Instagram at selfexpressbabe, where I would love to hear your thoughts on your favorite episodes and keep these conversations going. I invite you to get cozy as you receive this episode that's about to come through, that you stay curious, that you ask questions, that you take what resonates, and that you, of course, leave out what doesn't. 
Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get into the episode. excited to be recording with you yeah yeah I'm so so excited to finally be here with you and get into all of this yeah so should we start with sharing your journey with binge eating and then how you like transitioned that into like when the thought process came that you can help others with it yeah sure so this story like isn't unique to me in any way um it's a really common binge eating story. So hopefully anyone listening to this that struggles with their relationship with food, with their body, with their sense of worth, hopefully you can see yourself in parts of this and feel a little bit less alone because the thing about binge eating is that it can feel really, really fucking lonely. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like from a very young age, I was predisposed to later on in my teens develop a binge eating disorder so one I was a really sensitive emotional child and I did not know how to contain my emotions I didn't know how to process them I felt really guilty for having these big emotions like I'd kind of explode I'd have like mm. big rage and then be like oh my god <laughs> that's so embarrassing and I'm so sorry to everyone and yeah I didn't I didn't feel safe in expressing my emotions either so this was like one side another side is that I was definitely a very insecure child as well in terms of like my body image how my body looked but also in lots of other ways like I'm not intelligent enough or I'm not cool enough or I'm not good enough at the things that you're meant to be good enough at there's just this real real sense of lack and not enough and on the body image side I remember being so young like when were the Spice Girls big <laughs> when we were kids 1997 like, <laughs> yeah when yeah. I was like seven seven eight I remember <laughs> like looking at Sporty Spice and doing sit-ups yeah me yeah. too she she was my spice girl <laughs> and doing sit-ups in my bed like every night being like I'm gonna do a hundred crunches because I want my tummy to look like sporty spices Aww. yeah and that's just just uh heartbreaking to think of mm -hmm. this little seven-year-old girl already kind of in in that mindset and then the kind of third thing that I think led me to later on binge eat is that I definitely felt really restricted around food so um my mother was very health conscious and obviously she wanted to take care of us as a family and like there's no blame there whatsoever but I was really aware of the things that other children were allowed to eat or it wasn't that I wasn't allowed to eat them, but I had much less access to those things. So like my friends would have packets of crisps and chocolate bars and they'd have 
sandwiches with like fun fillings in them and I'd have like a pot of raisins and some like <laughs> cut up red pepper and like a hummus sandwich and I'd be like oh <laughs> why, don't, why don't I get to eat all this this fun stuff that other people that my friends get to eat so quite mm-hmm. early on I had some some restrictive patterns with food and I would like sneak things from the cupboard when I could like bits of chocolate or even like glacier cherries for baking things like that like whatever I could get I would get it I'd even like eat frozen chips from the freezer sometimes because I'd be like oh "Oh, that's a fun thing even though it's just like totally disgusting (laughs) like it's not fun to eat a frozen chip they're chalky right (laughs) because they're not yeah (laughs) and just really hard (laughs) so yeah kind of all of that growing up and then when I was 16 like you know and you go through puberty and then you're suddenly a little bit more curvier and just really conscious of how your body looks and that really hit me and I very much wanted to like lose a bit of weight looking at photos now I could see you know I wasn't I wasn't a large girl like in any way really and in any way shape or form but yeah I wanted to lose some weight and so again bless my mum she really tried to help me we came up with this thing called the jar where if I didn't eat any like sweet treats that day, I'd get a pound in the jar. So I was like, awesome. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is great. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to feel better in my body. And I'm going to like get some extra money. This is really great. <laughs> so I like really went for that. And I very quickly developed some some patterns around my eating, which then led to binge eating so my first like memory of binge eating was going to Tesco's with my friends during school like Tesco's a supermarket here in the UK Mm -hmm. and um we were prefects it was our last year of secondary school so we were allowed to go out the school gates at lunchtime and we often went to Tesco and like got our lunch and then sat in the park and ate it and we did that and I was feeling this real just urge to eat something sweet the urge to eat what I've been denying myself for a few few weeks and we left Tesco and we're going back to the park and I said to my friends oh my mum asked me to buy this thing for her I can't remember what it was and I totally forgot so I need to go back to Tesco and get that thing so I went off to Tesco on my own and I bought two bags of they're called Tesco Finest chocolate chip cookies. I think like most people in the UK would know what they are. They're really good, like triple chocolate cookies. Bought two bags of those and then went into the toilets in the supermarket and ate all eight of those cookies oh, wow. all in once. Re- yeah, wow. really quick in this like state of panic, like I've got to get back to my friends and I've got to get this food and just like, Ugh. and that was like my first ever binge. And after that, I was like, oh, that wasn't good. One, like I've undone all of this like dieting that I've been trying to do. I was like, oh, I just lied to my friends. Mm. (laughs) That didn't feel good at all. And yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really understand like why 
that had happened or how I could stop that from happening again. So I carried on, like the jar continued, I continued to try and lose some weight and that kept going like from 16 to 19 when I moved to London, mm-hmm. when I was 19. And I had for a little bit of time then, a period where I'd say that I ate pretty like normally, like in in quotation marks. Um, like it was the first time I was ever like making all my meals for myself. I was yeah in charge of what I could eat. I could eat what I wanted whenever I wanted, and I really enjoyed that sense of freedom and going to the supermarket and picking my meals and all of that. And yeah, my relationship with food at that time was pretty good. And then things started to get really stressful (laughs) at Mm -hmm. work, like really stressful. And I left the job in the industry. That is what I thought that I always wanted to do. And that was like a really low point for me because I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life now. This is what I thought I wanted and it isn't. And I'm here in London and I'm on my own and <laughs> so I really turned to food at that point as as a coping mechanism as comfort and I quickly gained quite a lot of weight and as I gained weight the restrictions became bigger because I was like okay mm-hmm. I need to counteract this and this is then when I moved more into bulimic patterns I would mm. be really like good again in air quotations during the day mm-hmm. like fast in the morning have a light lunch duh, duh, duh. and then by the evening I'd be like getting all of those binge urges I'd go to the supermarket buy all the things all the crisps chocolate cookies just whatever come home binge And then I'd be like, okay, I need to do something about that. So I've just eaten like four or five days worth of food in one hit. So I would take laxatives and then I would go for Mm. a run. Mm. And that was a pattern that probably went on for about a year. And I'm not a runner at all. And I really (laughs) don't enjoy running. And I try to like fool myself and fool my friends and family that I was doing it for my health and I was on this big health kick and I'm going to do like 5k races and then I'm going to get into half marathons and Uh like yeah I love running this is like my life now but really (laughs) and they had no idea what was really going on at that point yeah oh totally like no one knew Mm -hmm. um so that's what I did for about a year pretty much every night I take laxatives and then go for a run and I had some really scary times in that where it felt like an organ was going to burst or something like that. Oof. And I'd be, yeah, I'd be lying on the floor oh. thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have to call an ambulance for myself because I feel yeah. so sick. And like, yeah, something was going to burst within me, but I felt too much shame to do that because I'd yeah. have to explain to them what had yeah. happened. Yeah. And that's why it feels so lonely because like, it's something you have to keep a secret from yeah, everybody. Totally. The the shame around, around binge eating is such, such a massive thing. Like it's really not talked about yeah. at all. Um, so I managed to pull myself 
out of that at that time. I was like, okay, I can't keep taking these laxatives. They're really damaging my body Mm -hmm. long term. This isn't good. And I'm just going to stop running because as well, like my knees were completely ruined, like running on London pavements every night just Mm -hmm. not good and I was going to see an osteopath to like try and sort that out as well and I was just like okay Mm -hmm. I need to stop this but the binging didn't really stop and my weight went up and down again a lot and during this time as well where I was taking the laxatives and running a lot there were times where my body was smaller Mm -hmm. and I really remember people at this time saying things to me like whoa you look so good you look so healthy oh and that does not help and that does not help on one hand I was like this is the validation that I've been looking for yeah this is what I want but on the other hand I am (laughs) anything but well and feeling healthy Mm -hmm. and really I just want someone to help me (laughs) and I don't know how to help myself Mm -hmm. so that was a really strange time like living within those two contradictions and being really aware of them um yeah so after that time I think my weight kind of crept up gradually people stopped saying these kind of things to me and I was I was also really struggling with anxiety and through this I got introduced to meditation and yoga Mm. and all these wonderful supportive practices and it's not like I started meditating and overnight I was like (laughs) free from binge eating (laughs) it was this it was this really long process Mm -hmm. and also learning everything I could about binge eating because for the first few years I didn't know it was a thing I'd never heard of binge eating Mm -hmm. it was just this strange thing that I was doing and I didn't know how to stop or why it was happening Mm -hmm. and then I learned okay that it was an eating disorder and that there are these things that you can do so I started doing those things and I started actively looking for help and there was a coach that I really wanted to work with And we had like a free consultation call. This was probably like eight years into binge eating. And it was (laughs) binge eating spanned a whole 14 years. Like it was a long, a long old journey. And I didn't work with this coach simply because I couldn't afford it. And I know that that help would have been there for me had I asked for it, like from my family, if they'd known that I was really struggling with something and that there was someone that could help me with that I know that we'd have been able to like pull resources and get me that help but again I didn't want to yeah didn't want to like have that conversation yeah um so I didn't and I didn't get that help so it was years and years of like piecing it together working on myself like (laughs) buying all the self-help books the self-development books doing all the things and then 2017 me and my partner at the time we went traveling for six months around southeast asia and that was really good for me because it got me out of my comfort zone a lot lots of the patterns that i had around binge eating i couldn't do them because i was 
always with someone I was always mm. with my, my partner so I couldn't have those like sneaky binges when I was on my own mm-hmm. and also being vegan in Southeast Asia that was like a limit to what I could eat like most days was rice and vegetables so there wasn't there were there was lots of Oreos that's all I remember <laughs> being like the fun thing to eat in Asia I, just, I can't even look at Oreos now I just ate too many during that time um and then at the end of that period I did my yoga teacher training as well and again that kind of brought me into this deeper next level of self-awareness and connection to my body and yeah I'm really grateful for that time and I think by the time I came back to London binge eating was more of a habit like it wasn't really serving any purpose anymore it was just something that I had been doing for so many years it was just running on repeat And there were lots of times that I could just stop a binge because there wasn't that charge there anymore. There wasn't that, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm getting so much relief from this. I was just kind of going through the motions of the binge. So at this time I was like, right, I'm so close. I want to get health again. And I, again, I didn't have much money at all. I just come back to London. I hadn't been working for six months. I was like, I want to make it as a yoga teacher so my my financial resources were really small so I went to my doctor and I felt really scared about having this conversation I remember like being in tears as I told them about binge eating and the things that I did and um I remember the doctor getting me to lie on the table and she like felt around my stomach and was like where do you feel the pain And I was like, well, it's only really like painful when I binge eat and I've not binged today. So there's no pain. Mm -hmm. And she, it was like, she completely washed over what I was saying. And she's like, right, I'm going to send you some blood tests. And I was like, okay. And then like, (laughs) what about the binge eating? And again, she's like, let's just see about the blood tests. Mm -hmm. So I had the blood tests got a call from the doctor. They're like, okay, your blood's all normal. And it was a different doctor that called me. And um, I said, okay, that's great. The reason I went to the doctor is that I'm really struggling with binge eating and it's been happening for years and I'm really wanting help. And they're like, oh, there's nothing on this report about binge eating. So you'd have to make another appointment with your doctor. And I was just like, okay, (laughs) I'm not not going down that path. Because I'd really struggled with, going to the doctor for things like anxiety and the support that I needed really wasn't there so I was like okay I've been down this path Mm -hmm. before with that I didn't get what I needed so I'm gonna have to really like Mm -hmm. do this myself at this point though being able to speak out loud that you needed help not only to the doctor and to the person that called you but also the coach that you talked to talked to before and didn't end up working with that must have been some sort of pivotal moment for you that you've already like three times admitted out loud to somebody else that yeah. this was an issue. <laughs> totally. And it's it's so scary because you're thinking about the judgments that they're having of you. And mm-hmm. when you hear about conversations about binge eating, they're often like quite dismissive. 
you get comments like oh yeah I overeat all the time or oh yeah mm. like I binged on a pack of crisps earlier or people who binge eat they just need more willpower things like that mm. like when people do talk about it yeah dismissive is the word that I would use um and also to say that I had told my partner Mark about my binge eating fairly on into our relationship okay um but it was kind of like this is something that I do a little bit and it's not that bad like I mm-hmm. couldn't completely hide it from him but I definitely didn't tell him everything either and it's not like a conversation we had consistently where I was telling him what I've been going through or he was checking in it was kind of like Mm -hmm. this little conversation we had like three times a year (laughs) kind of thing and I know again that support would have been there from him I just didn't feel like I could talk about it and be completely honest with him Mm -hmm. which again is such a a crappy thing about binge eating is not letting your loved ones in in that way Mm -hmm. I remember you made a post um, I think it was a few months ago where you talked about how to tell your partner about binge eating and um, that's that's coming that's coming up to share because of what you just said so maybe we can talk about like how to move through those um, like blocks to tell people. But I also just want to like with everything that you said, I'm like taking mental notes. <laughs> I love how in the very beginning, you mentioned that you were predisposed to binge eating and you mentioned it was because you were very sensitive, insecure about your body. And I feel like so many girls can relate to that. And that's something that's like so prevalent in media and even now like little girls have social media with filters and it's really important to think about like what we are what kind of thoughts about their bodies we're creating for little girls who are watching these like airbrushed people um yeah so I love how you mentioned that that was like a predisposed kind of thing yeah it's uh I don't I'm so glad I didn't grow up like 10 years later because yeah it would have been even harder like social media wasn't really a thing until I was 16 17 18 thank god yeah I remember we had myspace I think oh yeah of course but it was like you had to wait till you got home and go on your computer it wasn't like on your phone so it was different. Um, yeah. But yeah, I could relate to a lot of your story. I also was very insecure about my body. I also really loved the Spice Girls. I remember at age 11, like starting to make sure I would breathe into my chest because if you breathe into your belly, your belly expands. And I somehow yes. got, also got that same message that a flat belly is beautiful. And yeah. um And for me, it was the opposite of like, instead of getting curvy, my curves didn't come. And I like felt like I felt like I looked like a boy. But at the same time, because of that, my body was very straight. So I always wanted that little like cinch at my waist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then I would restrict food after a certain time. I would wear like shoelaces around my 
waste to kind of like form something but like I never told anyone like my parents didn't know but I remember also having that same that pain that you said where you said that felt like an organ was going to burst I remember having that too and like telling my mom like oh my my stomach hurts really bad it feels like something is like moving around in my body and um yeah and that that was just kind of like brushed over yeah It it is hard to like admit admit that seriousness of like what it is that you're going through and that's what required that's what's required to need help so to get the help so that's why I wanted to um touch on your little piece about how to tell your partner about binge eating maybe you can say it also like how to tell any loved one you know whether it's a partner or like your best friend or like your mom or something (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I just want to say to what you said then about, you know, your experience and not feeling like you could tell anyone. Dieting and trying to change the shape of our bodies in, you know, whatever way it is, it's so normal. Yeah. Like you go to work or go to school or you go and hang out with your family and it's a conversation that people have all the time oh I'm doing this diet or oh this is coming up and I'm trying to lose weight for this oh did you see Debbie has been on this diet and how much weight she's lost and it's something that is spoken about a lot and that is strived towards a lot and I imagine that everyone having these conversations is also having this inward battle Mm. and these struggles but we're not talking about it and that's what I really feel like (laughs) we need to start doing is having these conversations which is what we're going to get onto the moment but like when I first started talking about this like on Instagram so many friends and family members and old colleagues reached out to me and said oh my god I've struggled with the same thing or when I was 16 I also binged it and there were like women who were like my closest friends when we were 16 and I was going through this and they were also going through this and we didn't talk about it at all yeah. and oh. the, <laughs> the the loneliness within that experience we didn't need need to have that so yeah yeah these conversations are really important and in terms of having them I think like starting with the people that are closest to you and who you think will understand you so maybe that is like a partner or a really close friend or if you have a really good relationship with either of your parents starting there and trying to I want to say the word casual (laughs) but it's not quite the not quite the right word but starting to try and have this conversation in quite again light-hearted isn't the word but we feel like we have to bring everything to it and it needs to be and it's going to be this big dramatic conversation and it doesn't need to be it can be this really simple hey I want to talk to you there's this thing that I've been struggling with and 
can I just tell you about my experience and can you just just listen to it and it can be as simple as that and just starting there (laughs) and Mm -hmm. seeing what comes of it because from my experience and the people that I've worked with as well starting from that point there's often that other side the other person saying oh my goodness I really relate to this I've had this too and so you can kind of build this conversation around this (laughs) shared human experience that so many of us seem to have but aren't talking about it Mm -hmm. and something else that's really um helpful to have is a little bit of information about what binge eating actually is because Mm -hmm. so many people they don't know like still they don't know and they think it's like sometimes emotional eating or like overeating so being able to be like like can I show you this like article on my phone this is something that I've been struggling with and you know would you mind reading that so that it's not just you being like oh there's this thing that I do and I'm really worried and them not really understanding like fully where you're coming from or that it is this thing that lots of people do so this isn't everyone's experience like I know we've said that lots of people struggle with this but it isn't everyone's experience when I spoke to my partner you know he hadn't had that experience himself so it was really helpful to be able to you know show him some other (laughs) resources um and again coming back to that first point about kind of keeping it kind of light and casual it makes it easier for it to be an ongoing conversation it's not like this big oh we've spoken about this thing it was really big and scary and I've kind of got that vulnerability vulnerability hangover from it and I don't really want to talk about it again like it can be this more ongoing open conversation where you can ask or you can say look you know we had that conversation last month well this is where I'm at with that now or you know I said that I've been struggling with this I actually feel like I really want support now and can you help me in this way and being really clear about with yourself like why you want to have that conversation do you just want to be seen and heard Mm. in your experience are you looking for them to like be more of a supportive role like in your journey are you wanting like financial support from them like if it's a parent or a partner and you want to get help and you can't afford it Mm -hmm. yourself so yeah really within you being clear on what why it is that you want that um yeah that's what's coming to me now with the with that article it was it was really lovely I kind of wrote my side from it and then Mark who was my partner for 12 years we're no longer together but we're really close friends he then wrote an article that's on my oh. site from his side from his perspective as someone who received <laughs> this information from their loved should one should we put that... both of those links in the in the comments uh show notes or caption yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that'd that. be a really really nice thing and I've had 
I've had more feedback, more people coming to me saying that they've read the side from Mark because it's given them such like relief mm-hmm. that it's okay to have these conversations with people. And for the most part, if someone's in your life and they care about you, they want to help you, they're not going to shame you. Yeah. So I think people hearing that um, is really beneficial. Mm-hmm. I think another uh, piece to bring in to for people to even feel that courage to bring have these conversations to initiate these conversations and to like you said to drop in and see why do I want to have this conversation like do I want to be married do I want financial support so I can get help I think a great piece to bring in there is um, you talked about how yoga and meditation really helped you be in the present moment And I know we were, you know, writing in our little emails before that we want to talk about how like present moment awareness and like practicing mindfulness is super helpful for binge eating. So um, I guess my question is maybe sharing a simple practice for anyone listening. I mean, I know there's so many different mindfulness practices, so I don't know if there's like one that stands out for you or or maybe we can just even talk about why we think that those are helpful yeah for sure to all of that yes so (laughs) um yeah like practices that bring us into the present moment so things like yoga things like meditation things like breath work things like dance and walking, I think walking is like one of the best things ever, most underrated things ever. Especially um, out in nature. <laughs> yes. It's uh, good. Barefoot, good barefoot if level. you can in nature. That's yeah. my favorite. Barefoot in nature, let the soil just like get in between your toes. <laughs> mm, yes. Um, oh, this is a total tangent, but I've been doing this thing lately where I collect soil from like Uh out on my walks and I bring it home and I put it in a big bucket with warm water and as I sat doing my work I've just got this like muddy (laughs) warm water soil but it's just like the best thing ever I absolutely (laughs) love it it's it's my favorite thing um but yeah the present moment is just it's where it's where everything happens you know (laughs) it's where it's where life is it's where when you're having those urges to binge, when you can bring yourself into that place, you can take that step back and be like, oh, okay, what is actually happening here? Mm-hmm. Rather than reacting to that urge and just going all into that kind of binge frenzy mm-hmm. energy. Yeah, like that that moment that you mentioned where you bought those two bags of cookies and you just like quickly ate it before getting back to your friends mindfulness like slows down that process you like totally you catch the thought that you want to do it and it's like there's more um time between the thought and like doing the action there's like more space (laughs) yeah and this takes practice like yeah I first read (laughs) the power of now by Eckhart Tolle like in my early 20s and I was like oh my god this is this is like it but it was so many years of like consistent practice and sometimes also not very consistent practice yeah if I'm honest um 
of coming back to this moment and yeah slowing things down and being able to have that choice and sometimes it is just like the tiniest little moments where you're in that space where you're like oh actually I'm gonna choose a different path Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not buy the two packs of Tesco finest cookies (laughs) and also these practices they bring us into touch more with like what is actually going on in my body like how am I feeling in this moment am I experiencing anxiety am I like um wanting to soothe this big uncomfortable emotion like what is what is actually happening in this moment that is that is driving me Mm -hmm. to binge so that's been another part and I feel like for up into my mid-20s I feel like I was this floating head like everything my experience was all just up in my head it was just thoughts yeah that's the only way I can describe it it's like (laughs) the rest of my body didn't exist because I was so cut off from it yeah and so Again, these practices, particularly yoga, and bring your awareness to different parts of your body during the practice, really kind of bridged that connection between my head and my body. Mm-hmm. And be able to, yeah, better understand what mm-hmm. was going on there, which was a huge thing. And even in terms of like hunger cues, like, I don't think I ever really understood when I was like what hunger felt like (laughs) like I never never considered it so I never really knew whether I was physically hungry like needing food because my body needed energy or if it was because I was in this like lax state because I've been restricting or whether it was because there's this emotion that I was feeling that I didn't want to feel Mm -hmm. So being able to identify, like, what is this hunger actually? Mm. Is it physical hunger or is it something else? Mm -hmm. That's a great distinction that you also make in your mini course, which we'll link in the caption or show notes below, where you talked about all the different types of binge eating, that it it can be emotional. You can be running away from something that you want to feel. Yeah. I didn't even realize that I I was a binge eater until I learned more about like the work from you because when I was younger I thought that binging went along with purging that if you weren't purging you weren't binge eating. But to know that it also goes along with restricting I'm like, "Oh. <laughs> that makes sense." Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, totally. that was me. And I still do fall into emotional eating sometimes. Like if I'm stressed, I love me some chocolate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I know it's not the healthiest decision. (laughs) You know what? Like, that's okay. And thank you so much for sharing that. And (laughs) like food is emotional. Like we can't get away from that. It's, It's hardwired within us and it doesn't need to not be that way like as we're when we're little babies and we're hungry and we cry and 
we're given milk from our mothers from the breast or from a bottle from any other caregiver like we get that comfort we get that warmth we get those soothing sounds we feel maybe like our mother's heartbeats mm, oh, like I've all never of, that. of that yeah that's so that cute is, <laughs> that is wrapped up within yeah. within our wiring that that comfort and soothing and also when we eat food like in those first few bites we get a dopamine hit like mm-hmm. food is pleasurable and comforting and you know that that's the way it is and we don't need to like try and deny that <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's when when we use food to avoid what we're feeling completely like it's there's this uncomfortable emotion and I'm not even going to look at it I'm just going to go straight to food or if um what was I going to say if comforting yourself with food is your only source of comfort then Mm. okay that's not great either so it's recognizing that yes food is comforting and pleasurable and wonderful and you know enjoying that aspect of food but also having other ways of like moving through uncomfortable emotions and yeah allowing yourself to experience that rather than like numbing that out Mm -hmm. I love that you just normalized that food is an emotional process and that it is a pleasurable thing and that we don't need to step away from that it's just we need we just need to be mindful of is this the only thing that I'm doing to comfort myself or not (laughs) yeah I think I think that's a good um kind of like segue into uh we wanted to also talk about like devotional cooking and devotional eating so we can instead taking that like switching our stress eating into I guess love eating I don't know if that's a thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah love eating that's so sweet yeah devotional eating and devotional cooking is something that I've really like connected to in the last kind of year like as I fully came out of binge eating and really reconciled my relationship with food and my body it was like whoa eating (laughs) and food is just incredible it's this this connection to life it's this connection to my body food the way food grows we have this little seed and it goes in the soil and with water and sunlight and the nutrients in the soil it turns into this whole (laughs) like whatever corn on the cob or like beans whatever it is and just like what an incredible process that is and like being really thankful for like that abundance of food that Mm -hmm. we have and the way that we're provided for and being thankful for the people who farm our food and get it to the supermarkets or wherever we buy food like for that whole process being like oh my goodness thank you and really recognizing that because it's so easy Mm -hmm. to just go out and buy something and eat it and you know that's that's okay sometimes too like of course that's practical nature Mm -hmm. of eating but (laughs) also sometimes it's really nice to really connect into this and to give thanks and 
that it being a devotional practice to yourself as well to your body like really recognizing what it is that my body needs being aware of maybe certain foods that I've been craving being aware of like how much it is that I want to eat is it warm foods that I want is it cool foods like really listening to that and then preparing that food with so much love like knowing that you're nourishing your body in the way that it wants to be nourished and it just feels really really good and then allowing that eating to be really pleasurable and tuning into all of your senses like the taste the texture how it feels in your body Mm -hmm. just letting it be this whole beautiful experience Mm -hmm. and then that that pleasure of the food is expanded tenfold when we take the time to really like slow down and think about where it came from and all that gratitude and then when we sit and eat to really taste it all and um for anyone like listening who doesn't know where to start um my first uh introduction into devotional eating was actually I used to live next to this yoga studio when I was like 25 and it was a bhakti yoga studio and Mm -hmm. um, in bhakti yoga like devotional cooking is like one of the practices that they do and while they cook they're like singing mantras as they're cooking and they're just like intentionally fusing love into what they cook and um, when you when you go to even to like a hindu temple they do that as well well, they'll have like, they'll read from the Bhagavad Gita, they'll do like mantras and stuff. And then they have like a vegetarian dish afterwards, everyone that's preparing that food, they're like singing mantras. And they're very like, their intention is to just infuse as much love into the food as possible. And I think that's a great branch of yoga to look into, to know where to start. Because for me, that was how that was my change point in like food like it went from it went from needing to eat healthy to like just I don't know just like really expanding that pleasure and expanding the gratitude and like really thinking about like wow these strawberries like it was a seed and there was somebody watering it and the sun came out and it it rained and the soil had enough nutrients and just like so many things had to go right and the bees who fertilized the flower that then became the fruit like there's so many steps that we don't think about with our food and when we do like even just adding that into your life can just completely change your perspective on food and like that then like food that's made with love you're putting it into your body and then that food literally becomes like you're a brain cell or like a strand of your hair or an eyelash (laughs) like it turns into what you physically are and that's just like so beautiful to think about (laughs) yeah oh so beautiful totally (laughs) it's just it can be 20 seconds of like sitting with your plate of food in front of you and just like pouring that gratitude into it and it completely changes that experience of that meal for you and how you feel after it and when you compare that to like that diet mentality and picking apart 
oh my god there's this that I'm eating and that's going to be this much calories and oh my god I've got chips and they're going to be really fattening and Mm. like when you compare that to this it's just like it's such a different experience yeah yeah and you can still like pour love into oh I have an eyelash in my eye (laughs) you could still pour love into like chips or crisps or cake or something like something that um something that I like to do if I'm I really only now do this if I'm on a road trip because when you're on a road trip at least here in America the only food on the road is fast food and if I have to eat fast food instead of feeling shame about it I'm like whatever nutrients are in this my body is going to absorb them (laughs) and I like eat very slow and stuff and I wanted to bring that up because I wanted to talk about like how what helped you deal with the shame and judgment piece like the self-shame and self-judgment piece that comes with eating I also just saw the time and I wonder if you have to go right at the hour no this is fine if this is good with you yeah it's good yeah yeah okay yeah Shame and judgment at 11 so it's like about an hour from now so I'm good (laughs) okay cool um shame and judgment in terms of like eating certain things or in terms of like how my body looked um I really thought about it like eating certain things and the part of like where you know you have a binge eating problem and a lot of shame and judgment for yourself can come through that. And I feel like moving through that is maybe one of the first steps in changing, but you can also yeah. talk about the body stuff too. If you like, yeah, yeah if that's what's alive. No, no, for sure. I, I get you. Um, for me, it was really like looking at, is this shame and judgment that I'm feeling about eating these certain foods? Is this like helping me to have a better more healthy relationship with food or is it hindering it Mm. (laughs) and I could you know if you look at it in this way usually you can see that actually it's taking you away from from health yeah (laughs) yeah and what's what's interesting about that is like this is this health piece of wanting to be healthy for a lot of us is the reason why the binge eating starts in the first place yes and we're like we don't want to eat this because it's not good for yeah yeah that's wild and it's (laughs) it's the exact same thing with like the body side it's like Mm -hmm. has this relationship has what I've been doing been helping me to like have this healthy relationship with my body or has it been hindering it and people often really worry about like gaining weight and binge eating recovery because what like one of the unavoidable really important things to focus on is like letting go of the idea of losing weight or maintaining the weight that you're at in order to like go through this process mm-hmm. and there's often a lot of resistance to that and I had a lot of resistance to that and it's again just asking that simple question like has this focus on trying to lose weight and change the shape of my body helped me to get what I want in terms of how I look or is it taking me further away from that 
and when you sit with that question it's kind of like oh <laughs> okay yeah I I need to do something differently here mm-hmm. yeah yeah and did that did that mindset of like stopping and asking yourself did that happen after you started practicing the mindfulness or did that come before after for sure I can't remember a particular like moment where I started asking myself these kinds of questions um but in terms of that that shame part in terms of what I was eating do you remember like I guess when we would have been like in our early mid twenties, there was the whole like clean eating thing, <laughs> like like whole thirty yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like so it's she- always been. I feel like dieting has always been in our ears somewhere. Is yeah, it's always been in our in the infomercials <laughs> sure. of like I remember there was a pill called hydroxycut here in America where it's like just take this pill and you'll lose weight yeah oh my goodness yeah for sure like (laughs) it's always been there I remember when I was like early mid-20s like really falling into that like juice fasts and eating everything juicing was very popular in our mid-20s okay this is what you're talking (laughs) about yes yes and like not eating fried food and everything just being really clean like really pure and if you ate things that weren't like that then you were like bad (laughs) it was wrong (laughs) and like from the outside it probably looked like you know I was I was such a good clean eater I was like always making my meals and taking them to work and I'd be like really proud of what I was sitting there and eating and then I'd leave work and I'd go to the supermarket and I'd buy all of these unclean (laughs) foods and I'd go home and I'd binge eat on them. So it was being like, okay, having this really strict mindset on this is good. I'm a good person. If I eat this, this is the right way. I'm looking after myself and eating this way is bad. People can't know that I eat these things. Um, kind of dissolving that good bad divide and Mm -hmm. being like okay I'm gonna eat this food anyway I may as well start eating it within my meals within the day and actually enjoying it and getting from it what I want to get from it yeah rather than it being Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually allowing it rather than it being Mm -hmm. this shameful hidden thing and being like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to have this chocolate bar at 4pm at work because I want it and that's okay. Yeah. And in me doing that, like, hopefully someone else can be like, okay, cool. Yeah, Lucy's like Mm -hmm. having a chocolate. (laughs) I'm going to do that too because I've been really wanting some chocolate, but I always feel like I can't because Lucy's always so good in the office. (laughs) But yeah, taking away, taking away that, that divide of this, this is good food, this is bad food and really allowing those things that 
I want to be part of like my normal everyday eating experience. And this is something that I teach um, in the mini course that you referenced before. It's like normalizing these foods. And I know that's not a very like sexy word, <laughs> normalizing <laughs> foods, but this process of taking the foods that you would normally binge eat and bringing them into your everyday eating experiences in ways that feel really safe so that you take away that that really like visceral oh I'm not allowed to have this so I really want it <laughs> that because that is another part of human nature like we want what we can't have mm -hmm. so eating these foods at times of days where you wouldn't normally binge so maybe like in the morning is quite a safe time for people to incorporate these foods eating them when you're around other people because normally when mm. people binge eat they're doing it in privacy um eating it when you're already like nourished or you've got food within you so you're not eating on an empty stomach and you're not gonna like eat more than you really want to eat a bit so it's like I'm having lunch and I'm gonna have some chocolate mm -hmm. after that like all these little things that make food these like off-limit binge foods more normal so for an example do you have Weetabix minis in the U.S. at all do you know what they are no I've never heard of those <laughs> okay so they're like little little is cereal little Weetabix that are like chocolate chips and that was like one of like my main binge binge foods mm -hmm. I'd only ever buy them when I was you know planning a binge I would never like buy it as part of my normal shopping so I started buying it as my normal shop. I'd eat it in the morning with my housemates as my breakfast instead of the like super healthy breakfast <laughs> that I would have like previously made or having that with that and letting it be, you know, I'm having my breakfast, I'm eating the cereal, that's okay. And to begin with, often in this normalizing process, we will like eat a lot of the food or we will still binge eat on it but gradually we learn that okay I'm allowed to have this I'm showing myself that I'm allowed to have this it's not off limits it is safe for me to want it and I know those times when I do want it I can get it so actually I'm not having this like big desire there's this not that like excitement like oh god I've got to get this when I can because I'm not allowed it mm -hmm. that that whole thing um so yeah that's a little bit about kind of the normalizing process and and taking the shame out of those foods mm -hmm. and when we normalize things that we want like how you mentioned the chocolate part it allows us to really receive what we desire and I wanted to mirror that back because I know that you have this, this theory that you said about, what was it that you said? Something about having a hard time receiving. Empathic. Yeah. You have a theory about empathic women who binge eat that they have a hard time receiving. Do you want to yeah. touch on that? Yeah. This is, okay. This is like a working theory. <laughs> and I'd be okay. really interested in like, anyone else's thoughts this is something that I've recognized in myself and I've shared with a couple of clients and they were like oh my god yes so I've been having more conversations about this and people are like 
whoa yes that's me too so I've been aware of patterns like throughout my life of like being in lack not feeling enough and also restricting so like this whole lack restriction thing in like food not feeling like I'm good enough just just everything and even like like not being able to receive presents when it's my birthday like feeling so embarrassed when people are trying to give me things and being like oh don't look at me (laughs) this feels too much um and I think particularly with women who are like highly sensitive or empathic like when you feel it can feel a lot so we kind of close off from feeling Mm -hmm. because it can be really uncomfortable and because we're closing off from feeling we're closing off from receiving and that can be receiving in all kinds of forms so I've been talking about this lots in terms of like my relationship with money like feeling really oh like (laughs) just not being able to receive because there's this part of me that's like really shut off from that and it's quite subtle but this is where I see my work with food and my body and everything in my life being right now is my ability to receive Mm. if that makes any sense at all being able to receive the nourishment that I need being able to receive the love that I want being able to be seen by other people being able to receive money being Mm -hmm. able to receive the time that I need to rest and go through things without that oh no it's too much to Mm -hmm. receive this I I can't I can't physically hold this because it's too much yeah yeah that makes sense because um how we do one thing is usually how we do all things so like if there's an area of our life where we can't receive where with binge eating like it might seem like we don't have a problem of receiving because you're eating these large amounts of food, but really to, to be able to eat those large amounts of food, you're kind of like checked out as you're, as that's happening and you're rushing through it. So you're not actually receiving that food, yeah. you're not actually receiving it. It's just like, you're just rushing through. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my practice now like when I'm eating it's just to like as I'm breathing in like receive fully the experience mm-hmm. and it's really simple but it's been such a profound thing in my life and like when I'm out on my walk again just breathing in receiving what is going on around me when I'm feeling a strong emotion like seemingly positive or negative breathing in (laughs) receiving that yeah and it's interesting when you do that if you try it to see how uncomfortable that might feel to just receive something really simple just to even receive a breath fully it can feel like (laughs) it can feel like a lot um and that just reminded me of you talking about pulling in your your tummy when you were younger I remember when I first started going to yoga classes a 
the teacher came over to me and was like oh you need to like when you inhale you need to like expand your tummy and the moment you're like sucking your tummy in and that's called Mm. reverse breathing and Mm. I was just like what and this took me so many lessons to understand that I have been breathing in reverse (laughs) for years I was I didn't even know that you could breathe in reverse (laughs) yeah where when you take a breath in your stomach goes in yeah Yeah, take a breath in suck in suck suck everything in exhale let it go just a little bit (laughs) (laughs) so this act of like really receiving a breath and letting your tummy expand yeah when you've been in this place of like cutting everything off that can feel like the most liberating thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I know yeah it sounds so so small and so little but it's just like really opening up so much for me right now have you seen um Rosie Reese from Yoni Pleasure Palace she has a hashtag called stop sucking it in oh no where she encourages women to post photos of like their bellies just like relaxed and just to show how like being a little bloated is normal and I think she she's been doing that for a few years and I think now recently she has a shirt on her on her shop that says I'm not pregnant I'm just not sucking it in (laughs) (laughs) and I love that I love I love that like with with this journey of like mindfulness and getting to know our bodies, like we allow a certain part of our bodies that we've been clenching release and relax. And with this topic of binge eating, like probably everyone would relate to sucking in their bellies and yeah. um, how freeing it is to allow your stomach to relax and exist. Yeah. Know? My goodness. Yeah. And I find myself still doing it all the time, like this unconscious depending on who I'm around especially sucking my tummy and then when I become aware of it it's like oh okay let it go (laughs) yeah yeah relax let yourself breathe let yourself take up the space that you need to take up because that's that's my body you know that's okay yeah so there are two questions I want to ask you that I like to ask every guest and then after that, we'll talk about where people can find you, find your work and any uh, resources you want to include in the caption or show notes. Lovely. Okay. <laughs> so the first question is, what does self-love mean to you? Oh, self-love is very much about acceptance, acceptance of like where I'm at in any given moment and how I'm feeling because for a long time I thought certain feelings were wrong and that I shouldn't feel that way even though I am feeling that way so I should feel that way and acceptance of how my body looks on any given day Mm -hmm. um yeah that's what's coming up for me right now is just being in that total acceptance and allowing of what is because it is beautiful and then the next question is what's your favorite part about being a woman oh the favorite part 
about being a woman for me is the wisdom that our bodies carry in the sense that everybody's bodies <laughs> everybody's bodies carry so much wisdom but the the cycle of a woman's body the monthly cycle that we go through the wisdom within that and the wisdom in like being able to grow a whole other being within us just totally blows my mind and our bodies always know like what they're doing the fact yeah. that we don't have to like <laughs> tell ourselves to breathe it it's um when you stop and think about it it's really really mind-blowing and this is I would never have said that like a few years ago I used to really like hate the fact that my body went through this monthly cycle and that I had to bleed every month and that you know this was Mm. something that I really pushed away and I was like it's so unfair that women have to go through this yeah and that men don't but actually oh my goodness what a gift it is (laughs) that our bodies can do this and the information that is encoded within us is just incredible yeah deep deep wisdom um yeah yeah I can really, I, it wasn't until 2021 where I started loving that I have a cycle every month. Yeah. Same, probably around, around that same time. Yeah. For me too. Yeah. I think there might, might've been a collective awakening with that, with, within that time. Cause yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have ventured into, and it's an ongoing thing. Like that was only two years ago there's still more deepening for me at least (laughs) oh my god yes so much and a few of my friends like going through pregnancy at the moment and I love hearing these little bits that they're learning or they're they're experiencing and it's like whoa our bodies (laughs) are incredible (laughs) like so incredible yeah yeah. So for the people listening, um, where can they find you? And if there's anything that you want to share specifically about uh, who your work is for or what kind of resources you'll be uh, giving for this episode, I'll give the floor to you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I coach under the name of Binge Free and Worthy. So my website is www.bingefreeandworthy.com. And on Instagram, I'm at binge.free.and.worthy. So dots that'll be in each the word caption in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, and I specifically work mostly with women who are like highly sensitive or empathic and struggle not just with the restrictive side and diety side of binge eating but also with the emotional side I feel like that was my journey (laughs) and I really relate to these women and there's a lot a lot that I can share with them and I've got two main resources that you can jump into. So I've got the mini course that Celia and I have both mentioned, and that's all about how to break out of that binge and restrict cycle and how to normalize these foods. And the other one is a little masterclass on how to stop your emotional binge eating. So really getting into that emotional side. And um, both of these you can get on my website 
I'm currently making a quiz at the moment called what is your binge eating recovery journey yeah that's fun which um yeah I've I've been working on for a little while actually Um, okay if that's that's ready by the time this publishes the link will be in the caption or show notes (laughs) wonderful wonderful and yeah I work predominantly one-on-one with women in the future I will have a self-paced recorded class and a group offering but this is something that I'm really taking my time on creating so it's not imminent and I yeah if you if you're interested in working with me just just reach out yes oh thank you so much for spending this time with me oh this has been great Lucy I'm so glad that we met. (laughs) Yes, me too. So glad. Thank you, Celia. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Openly Spoken. I know that there's an abundance of content online, so I really appreciate you giving me your ears today. If this episode shifted something for you, please share this with a friend and slash or write us a podcast review if you're listening to this on iTunes so that more people can find this. If anything shifted for you from this episode that you want to have a conversation about, I would love to hear from you. Just send me a DM over on Instagram at selfexpressedbabe and that is in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next time.